and welcome to a very adventuresome episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And this week we're going to look at a, one of the games that's going to be on the new TurboGrafx Mini, uh, the new Adventure Island uh, in the Hudson's Adventure Island series, a series we have not covered before, uh, and this is one of the later entries in the series. Uh, but Billy, what have you been playing since our last well, episode? I have been, you know, I, I hit the road again for my, my job takes me out of town uh, for long stretches, so I, I've mainly been on the Switch, I mean, because obviously that's the perfect system. For, for a time like this, I, I brought the Xbox around. It's it sat there, and I, I kind of got back into Overwatch for a little bit. I ended up getting a copy of that free from someone on on Xbox, and I've, I've you know played around on there a little bit. Uh, that didn't hold my attention as much as on the Switch. Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three rolled out last week, and I have just been into that hot and heavy. I, I've just been a huge fan of the series all the way back to the, you know, the X-Men legends games, uh, loved ultimate Alliance one, uh, enjoyed the fan service of ultimate Alliance two, uh, but thought it, it lacked a lot from the first one. Uh, but I definitely think this one is a return to form. I believe I was talking to, uh, old Jeremy Gregory was, was interested in it. Uh, but, but not as a kind of a full price buy. Uh, it's like I told him, uh, if you like the originals, you're going to like this because it's more of the same. Uh, a little bit back down to the more of the RPG level of it, which the second one kind of abandoned, I thought, just for a little bit of old mindless action. On this one, it actually benefits you to kind of scout out what your your team is, you know, what their strengths are, uh, what, you know, kind of elements their their attacks are. Uh, and there, there's plenty, to, plenty of little experience points to earn and all this stuff to put in the skill trees and all, all kinds of stuff um, that, that I love sitting there and, and going over for hours on the end, apparently. But yeah, like I told him, uh, if you like the other ones, you'll like this one. If you were never a fan, uh, this isn't something that's that's going to change your mind on that. But that is what I have been pouring uh, the majority of my time into and, and off and on jumping on a Super Mario Maker, you know, giving that about a 10, 15 minutes, playing through a handful of levels and, and you know, eventually getting really fucking angry at most of the levels on there and then moving on. Have you tried playing multiplayer in Ultimate Alliance? I uh, Just local. I, I haven't hopped online yet. Because I was going to get that because uh, I wanted to play a game with my kids, and I thought that would be fun to play three players. Super frustrating, mm-hmm. I'm sure, but would be fun. But instead, I, I couldn't resist, and I bought the new Fire Emblem game. I'd never played one in the series before, and mm. uh, and I haven't put enough time into it yet to tell you what I really think yet. I mean, my immediate impressions are that it's fun, but I, I'm not nearly far enough. So I'm sure I'll talk about that more next episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, I bought Persona 2 or Persona Q2 for the 3DS, uh, another Etrian Odyssey-style game with uh, Persona characters from 3, 4, and 5. Uh, if you like the first Persona Q or like the Etrian Odysseys, I can't imagine not liking it. But if you didn't like Etrian Odyssey at all, that kind of first-person, slow, dungeon-crawling, like, draw-your-own-maps kind of game, then this is not mm. going to change your mind, even if you love Persona. Uh, but the the game I have to actually say I've put the most time into this week, 
considering what a simple game it is. The, the free PlayStation Plus game for July uh, was Horizon Chase Turbo, which is like this old arcade-style racer. Mm-hmm. I've been playing it a lot. I love it. It's so simple. It's It reminds me of like pole position. It's that kind of racing game. It's yes. not, not like Gran Turismo. I mean, this is you, you have a gas button, you have a brake button that, as far as I've seen, I never use. And uh, and then you have a turbo that you can have a handful of turbos to push you forward. It's simple, but it's it plays really well. Uh, there's it's easy enough to to kind of do a couple races here and there when you feel like it, and everyone that's playing it that's on my friends list, which I guess is a lot of people since it's a free game. Uh, you know, I'm trying to beat all those people too, so it, that's been fun. I enjoy that. It made me actually want to want to play a, maybe a racing game on this at some time. Normally, I, I'm not into that, but if it's a simpler game like that, maybe I'd be down. But uh, but other than that, yeah, just Fire Emblem, and I'm sure I'll talk more about that next episode. But Jeremy, what have you been playing? Uh, I also bought Fire Emblem, but I'm gonna. I'm going to be like you and wait till the next episode to really talk about that because I haven't got to play much of it either. Uh, but I, I, I'm still kind of playing around with Mario Maker, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of shocked that I still am at this point. Um, I finished up all 120, I think I mentioned that, all 120 of the story missions or story levels. Absolutely love them. But I think I've got to the point where I don't want to play Mario Maker anymore because it's making me play people's levels. And... <laughs> and I don't think I like them very much. Yeah, and uh, you asked us uh, in chat because uh, you uh, you missed out on the first one, yes. the, the Wii U go around, and you and you kind of uh, lamented that maybe you missed out on on you know the the kinder, gentler times of Mario Maker when people kind of focused on making uh, real levels. Uh, I guess you could say, and not levels just for people to go on YouTube and and scream while they played. Uh, and, and, and I guess you did. You missed like that first week of Mario Maker on the, the Wii U where there was plenty of goodwill and, and people just kind of, you know, cranking out their, their kind of takes on classic levels. But yeah, I mean, you're, you are playing what the first one became. I, I would say not a weekend. Yeah. It's, it, it's so, it, it's so, I don't know. Like you can play the easy levels. And I think we've mentioned this on this podcast before. The easy levels are literally nothing. I mean, they're, they're nothing. Uh, No challenge whatsoever. I can see myself sitting there and playing through a hundred of them and never losing Mm -hmm. a life. Um, But as soon as you do step up to normal, it ain't there. It ain't normal. (laughs) It goes from, I can do this all day long to I can't ever play this game again because I've cracked my controller in half. And that's really what it feels like whenever you step up to that. Uh, I I wish there was a slightly, I I don't know, just more of a a stair step to going to from super easy that it doesn't even matter to something that's just ridiculous. I mean, what they, I mean, what they need is just a a way to kind of different. I mean, those, I think those levels need their own little area, their own little, category because uh, I, I personally just like to get on there uh, and just look up i just got on the tabs look up what the the hot levels are at the moment and just kind of look at what the the popular and the, the new levels are and and that's about all i can do i mean i, I just wish if people had a a particular that particular style of level maybe there was a tag for it or, or something or another because uh, because as it is it's just and it's one of the complaints i had about the the you know, the last one is that it's just not pretty to navigate around and really find the kind of levels you want on there. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've been kind of doing. I, I thought that maybe playing the unlimited mode that it would curate 
some of the better levels for that difficulty. Like, you know, the, the best of the easiest class or class or the best of the normal, but it doesn't actually do that. It just seems like it's random. Mm-hmm. And so like I started an easy level last night and I literally just, it was just flat ground. And then there was a flag. I mean, that's just what it was. <laughs> I, it, and then you go to the next one, you go to normal and it's just impossible. I, yeah. There just needs to be like a YouTube section or something where yeah. you can yes. get those things out of the way for people that just want to scream and, and like curse on YouTube and let us normal people that just want to play yes. like a fun level or something stupid where people have done something uh, interesting with the characters or mm-hmm. levels. That, you know, that's that's what I want to play. I want to play more levels like the story mission or story levels, but that's you're just not getting that in the, the character levels or the player made levels. Um, besides that, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to talk about Mario Maker 2 anymore because I may not <laughs> play that anymore after this week. Um, I, I wanted to uh, kind of say my closing thoughts on Soul Seraph. And last mm. podcast, I did, I recommended that if you were curious about it, it's only 15 bucks. You should check it out. Uh, don't. It's not great. <laughs> no, hold hold your fifteen. <laughs> hold that fifteen dollars. It is. I, I had only played about two or three levels <laughs> of the uh, of Soul Seraph by the time the last podcast came out, and I was like, you know what? This is just a low rent act raiser at this point, and I can kind of get behind that because it's act raiser. But that game just goes off the rails with just how cheap a lot of that difficulty is. And I'm not going to get into it here. I've already talked about it, but just trust me, it is not a, a good game. It Man. is just it is not worth 15 bucks. I would say maybe five dollars. <laughs> a damning review. It's just it's so disappointing. It just gets to the point where it's just like it's not fun. It's just the same tower defense stuff over and over. The side scrolling levels are just awful, and it it's just like man, it just makes me want a good. Act Razor, and to think that this is what we got this far after that game came out really kind of pisses me off. It, it's not not good at all. So please uh, don't take my recommendation of buying that game Man. for fifteen bucks last last podcast. Do not buy this game. Our apologies to whoever did run out. Yes, I'm sorry. Episode. Uh, if you are, we can't refund your money, and I, I'm so sorry for for throwing that out there before I, I finished more than two or three levels, but it is, <laughs> it is, it is just not, it, it's not good. Not good. Even as a, a generic act razor clone, it's mm. just not a good game. And that's all I've been playing. Well, also hopefully you played this week's game, which is nothing like act razor at all. New adventure Island for the turbo graphic 16. This is this is another one of those with it being. I mean, I've I've said every time we have a, well, I've said a lot of the same things over and over again when we have a TurboGrafx sixteen episode. Um, but yeah, uh, once again, I preface it with growing up, this was the one system I I didn't have. I hardly knew anybody that did. Stores didn't really carry it. So once again, uh, not a game I have played. Uh, but a game I'm familiar with. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, familiar with the, the Adventure Island series, so I come into this one 
with a lot of goodwill. And I had really only played the Super NES, uh, mm-hmm. the Super Adventure Island. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that there was an Adventure Island on the Turbo Graphics. Like, I knew that, the, that they were the NES games uh, and, and the Super NES game, of course. But I, I didn't actually know one existed on the Turbo Graphics at mm. all. So going into this one, I was like, yeah, more, more of Adventure Island. I'm into it. Yeah, there was one on the Turbo Graphics, but it came uh, pretty late in the Turbo Graphics. Again, that this was 1992, so by this time the system had already more or less become a failure. It wasn't sold in a lot of stores anymore. Uh, and and the same year, 1992, uh, Hudson's Adventure Island 3 was out on the NES, and Super Adventure Island came out for the Super Nintendo. And bookshelved in between that was the version for the Turbo Graphics 16, New Adventure Island. All of these games are slightly different, but they all have the same formula. Uh, it's it's just a side-scrolling, really, a, and it's not a platformer as much as it's almost an auto-run game. You have a, a health bar at the top of the screen that more or less is a timer and not a health bar because everything kills you in one hit. Uh, you have to keep eating fruit that shows up as you run to the, to the right side of the screen, dodging enemies and, and making sure you don't fall in the pits until eventually you get to the end of the level uh, and then the next level starts and you know, thankfully you get a whole new life bar and if you do die, you get to start at the beginning of that level. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, the original... Hudson's Adventure Island was on the Nintendo, and I don't know if you guys were aware, but it's actually a a port of the original arcade version of Wonder Boy. Sega put out Wonder Boy, but it was developed by a different company, Escape, who went on to do all the other all the other Wonder Boy games. We actually covered Wonder Boy three, I don't know, a couple years ago, and those became mm-hmm. the the Wonder Boy series became more of a uh, almost a Zelda 2 or a Metroidvania style game. I mean, they, they definitely branched out a lot more than this very simple arcade game. Well, Hudson Adventure Island took that original running Wonder Boy game, renamed it, put a new character in place instead of a, a caveman who's the Wonder Boy. Instead, you are, uh, what is his name, Mr. Higgins? Master Higgins, uh, who is also a caveman, but he has a baseball cap. That's the only difference between the characters. <laughs> But then the Hudson's Adventure Island series would continue to go on and just make better, arguably better and better versions of that same formula. They didn't bother trying to branch out and change the style of the game. Hudson's Adventure Island 2, 3, New Adventure Island, Super Adventure Island, all of these games have that same formula as the original Hudson's Adventure Island. So Wonder Boy, which is the same game, splits off, becomes this other gaming series. It becomes kind of an adventure game. And this stays exactly the same, uh, but still from the same seed. And and actually, interestingly, the Japanese version of the TurboGrafx cover of Wonder Boy 3, which is called The Dragon's Trap Here, or Dragon's Curse Here, in Japan is called Adventure Island. To make it all as confusing as possible. Mm. But, <laughs> but the end result is that these games, the Adventure Island games, are essentially the original Wonder Boy ported over, and then its own creation. So I don't know if you guys have played a lot of those before. I know, Billy, you said you were familiar with them, and Jeremy said you'd played Super Adventure Island, but just mm-hmm. with what you'd played before, I don't think this broke any molds in those games for you, right? Oh, no. Uh, this this was a... Uh, I mean, uh, Super Adventure Island is the one that is the, the firmest in my memory. Uh, I mean, this just seemed like kind of business as usual. No, and this was, was kind of hard to distinguish between them uh no it it, it didn't really uh change anything as this is actually more of like uh, what i wanted as a sequel uh to super adventure island which i Ooh. did this one actually come out before super i'm guessing so in the u.s so. it did it came out in between okay. adventure island 3 on the nintendo and super adventure island for the super nintendo but i don't know if, you know in japan if they came out in different orders or what 
Okay, because I absolutely loved Super Adventure Island, and that was the first one I ever played, and I always wanted a sequel to that. But, mm. you know, there was nothing really after that uh, that I played un- until I played this, and I was just like, holy shit, this is the sequel to that game, because it's essentially the same exact game, mm. uh, it, but it's, it's I, I don't know, it, there's something about Adventure Island games as far as, like, what I've played with this one and, and uh, the one on Turbo Graphics or uh, Super Nintendo, that it, like you're right, it does kind of almost seem like it's made for like just constantly running and and jumping to get to get to the end without losing time. And usually, I hate things like that, where you're constantly losing time, you're fighting against the clock. But there's something about these games that's just it's I guess it's not just constantly making you uh, lose time or you think you you have to beat it as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's still challenging enough to to collect this fruit and everything like that to keep time going that there's this unique flow to these games that you really don't get just about anything else that i played well it's definitely got it it's not an auto scroll like if that if this was one where it forced you to run forward all the time uh that would ruin this game it would not be fun it would end up playing like every iphone game uh you know just an endless runner but instead because it forces you to move fast because your life is going down but at the same time you can stop for a second if you have to make a difficult jump or you have to wait for some timing because there is some platforming that definitely is is very timing based. It makes it so that it is more interesting than, a, than an endless runner and it's not as punishing as, you know, like Meat Boy or one of these <laughs> these super platformers that if you make one mistake, it's all over. Yes, you die in one hit, but the game telegraphs out pretty easily kind of where you know you need to pay attention. Um, it just seems like it, it, it keeps you on your toes. Uh, but not unfairly. It seems like it, it keeps you on your toes, but... Yes, there's a little bit of memorization involved, but not not drastically. If you're paying attention and you have a weapon, because uh, you don't start with one, but you, you basically need one to continue through these levels, you can kind of read what's coming, uh, even though it's not on the screen yet. The levels are designed very well for that. Of, of Adventure Island in general is always that uh, Master Higgins has to get through a series of, of levels that are on an island. Most of the time it's four levels, and then there's a boss at the end of the fourth level. Uh, in this case, he is engaged to Tina, and on their wedding day, uh, the evil Baron Bronski captures her, takes her away so he can marry her. So you have to go through these six other islands to get to his secret island, uh, the seventh Adventure Island. Uh, it's a total of 25 levels. The first six islands are four levels apiece with a boss at the end of each, and then the seventh world is just one big level. Uh, a little longer than the others, has some some mini-bosses in it, but it is generally 25 levels of not drastic length. Each of these levels, uh, they do have checkpoints, uh, one checkpoint in each level, so that thankfully if you do die, you don't have to start at the very beginning if you make it to the checkpoint, uh, but they're also not long. You can get through each level in, in a minute or two, especially if you're constantly running forward. None of them are that long. No, that's one of the first things that struck me, is just how short these levels are. Uh, and, and, and they are, you know, divided up into different worlds and and originally, I I didn't know how I was going to feel because I, I I wasn't getting quite enough variety as far, and I'm sure we'll go over the stages as we go. Um, I, I was getting a little worried there wasn't going to be a, a lot of variety, but they they did they do change it up as you go along. But yeah, I, 
just was whipping through these things quick. Um, and and like you were saying, it's a game where you, you kind of keep moving. You have to keep moving, but you can. You can take a pause here and there, which I did. Uh, kind of appreciate that because if this was just a you know, run full tilt thing, uh, then, yeah, I'd have some trouble with it. Um, and you're talking about the fairness of it, I, I think mostly. <laughs> there were a few enemies that just kind of, I, I felt just kind of appeared from the, the left side of the screen, you know, coming towards you uh, that you didn't have a lot of time for. Uh, there, there's a little memorization, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, like you said, paying attention, uh, you get through most things and you get through them in no time. I was surprised with just, just how quickly this game played through. And it may be because I'm coming off of Mario Maker 2. Uh, I, I think I just went ahead and, and held the run button down. Through, mm. the, through the majority mm. of these stages. You have mm-hmm. to. I think yeah. that's a, a requirement. I mean, the first couple levels, sure, you probably don't have to. But there are definitely jumps in the later levels that if you're not running and holding down that, that run mm-hmm. button, the attack button, it's only two two buttons on the TurboGrafx controller, uh, I mean, other than a directional pad. Uh, one button is your jump button, and the other is your attack. Or if you hold it down uh, after you've attacked, then you will run. Uh, and, it, it again, like there's so many jumps, if you're not running, you're not going to make. You basically have to hold it down at all times unless you're attacking. And that's what it seemed like. It seemed like a lot of the timing for these levels, even like missing certain enemies that would dive bomb you or things like that, uh, is it, it relies on you actually just holding that run button down at all times. Mm-hmm. And and then besides that, also just memorizing what's coming at you. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, don't know, it, I, I did really enjoy kind of just running through these levels and they're not very long. Um, and, generally the game isn't very hard at all it, it was just a really enjoyable kind of uh speed run through through a game but it, it's it was still challenging in sections though but i it was it was really fun I, I do have to say though that um yeah yeah you are better off continuing to run uh because if you do a lot of starting and stopping you, you encounter one of my main complaints which is it, it feels awful damn slidey to me like he he's got a lot of slide to it. Every level to me just kind of felt like a damn ice level, to an extent. Um, and, and I encounter that a lot. I don't know if it's just me, uh, but there's definitely uh, you don't. There are no complete stops on here. Uh, I think I think uh, that was the biggest thing to kind of get used to. And you know, the remedy for that is just trying to to keep moving uh, as fast as you can. Yeah, that's his uh, physics. It's just very. I wouldn't call it Mario, but he's kind of heavy if you do stop. He, he does. Yes, exactly. He's got a heft to him. Yeah, he's got heft to him. And yeah, if you stop, you're going to slide. But if you keep just going, there's no real punishment for that besides just not knowing when to jump something or, or missing a platform or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, if you're not going fast enough, the fruit that restores your life will just kind of vanish. Mm. So you have to keep moving or that stuff goes away. Well, and you jump a little bit higher when you're running, and a lot of that fruit will also spawn high enough that if you're not running, that jump will not reach that fruit. Uh, your your health bar is, I think, 16 blocks total, and as you're playing through the game, it just slowly drops one by one. It's not incredibly fast, but fast enough that if you're not getting the fruit, if you don't pick up any fruit in a level, I don't know if you can get through any of them other than maybe the first uh, before you run out of time. If you run out of life because of not eating enough fruit, you die. If you hit any enemies, you die. If you fall into a hole, you die. Uh, you get three lives when you start the game, or four lives, I think. Uh, but thankfully, at least in the, the new Adventure Island uh, of the series, you can continue as many times as you want. 
Once you die, it goes back to the title screen, but you can pick if you want to you know, start a new game or continue. You start on the exact level you died on, so not at the first of the world. You know, If you were at 1-4 and die, you don't start at 1-1. You start at 1-4, and that continues for the rest of the game. Whatever level you're on, uh, you start at the beginning of that level. You won't get a benefit of a checkpoint, but you know these levels are all short enough that even if you got to some that were difficult, and there were definitely a few of these levels that I had some issues with. I know you said that you felt like a lot of these levels were ice levels, but then you must have actually hated the actual ice levels uh, that are incredibly slidey. Um, they, but not to, uh, when not I to saw those, I was like, holy shit, what's this going to be like now? It, and he does slide a lot. I mean, if you're, especially if you're running, you can pretty much slide half a screen. I mean, it, it's it's got a lot of, of, uh, of ice slide. But again, those levels are also designed in such a way that as long as you're constantly moving, it's almost like you're skating through the level. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. think that's the key to this game, and maybe that's why I, I previously did not care for the Adventure Island games. I don't know quite why I didn't like them, but I thought they were just overly repetitive and not fun. Uh, but I think it's because I never played them long enough. I get through one, two, or three levels and be like, yeah, that's that's great. It's Wonder Boy and, and go on my way. Um, but this this felt like the levels were so much more condensed they seemed shorter uh they're all designed so there's not a lot of places where it's trying to trick you into jumping in like then you all of a sudden get hit by something that flies over the top of the screen in like a a cheap way the the jumps are made assuming that you're running forward with the run button held down you're not just slowly taking your time and jumping through the level so i i think especially in the ice levels as long as i didn't stop moving uh, i was much much easier um Mm. like we mentioned before one of your buttons does the attack Uh, when you start the game you have no weapon there are four weapons in New Adventure Island. The one that you'll see the most often is the hatchet. It's just a a stone axe. When you get it, you can throw them in front of you. They kind of arc forward and then down after so far. They don't go all the way across the screen, but they they do go pretty far. Uh, And almost every monster you're going to fight, except for bosses, die in one hit to two hits. Uh, Until later in the game, there are some that take a few more hits, but generally, you know, three, four, five hits at most. Most things still die in one hit. Uh, you can get a boomerang. You can throw those two at a time, and they exact work just like regular boomerangs. They go straight, and then they fly back to you, uh, but they actually go a little farther than the hatchet does. Arrows go straight across the screen. They don't fall down at all till the very end of their path, and they go pretty, pretty far. Uh, and then the least common weapon you'll find, but you can find it, is the magical fire. Uh, magical fire I found to be useless. All these weapons seem to do the same amount of damage, and magical fire kind of angles directly down as soon as you fire it, so it... it you know, I guess it may be like a 45-degree angle down into the ground. So if you're jumping, sure, great, it, it flies at things, it goes a little bit faster, but there are a lot of birds, there are, there are things that come in at you from the sky, making that weapon, in my opinion, almost completely worthless. Yeah, that one is like the strangest trajectory for like a video game, like for something that's supposed to be super powerful that you can, you can get, and you're just like supposed to be like, oh man, I've got the best weapon in the game. Mm-hmm. It just it's kind of like you're just pissing fire like it just goes straight <laughs> down at the floor and unless you're jumping and and, and throwing this thing out uh, even then you're only getting them maybe about five or six feet out in front of you mm-hmm. to hit something you're not hitting anything above you because there's a lot of shit above you like you said so i mean it's super powerful and i believe it can actually kill those boulders in one hit uh that sometimes come down at you that that's like the one thing it can do uh, unless I'm just mistaken and did that by accident or something. But uh, besides that, I, I didn't really get anything out of it that I couldn't get way more out of using the axe. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I found this this the fireball, you had to jump with it to get anything out of it. I mean, it seemed like it, but the, uh, at the same time, I just, I don't know, it was, it was awkward. <laughs> it was a very awkward weapon. And I just assumed I was using it wrong. 
throughout the entire game until I, I found that, you know, most people using the thing would, would jump and then throw. And I, I just, I, when I played it, I didn't have many opportunities to just kind of stop and, and light up my shot and use it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the axe, the, the axe got me through just fine most of the time. Uh, you, you can't get through the rocks with it, as far as I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the weapons in this game, it's not a ton. I mean, and there's nothing that you get, and, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, the, I, I feel overpowered as shit now. Um, but they're decent. I mean, fucking first Mario just gave you a, a fireball, albeit a slightly more, you know, slightly better fireball than this one. Uh, but I did appreciate that there were, were several weapons throughout this. Um, really, did did any of you guys have, and we'll talk about the bosses. The, the, did you have any luck beating a boss with anything but the spear in this or the, the arrow? I would try I, to get the arrow if you could, and most of the time, and we'll get to the bosses, but there's normally a, a place before a boss, right before, where you can kind of pick from several weapons. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely used the arrow the most, but I used boomerangs, and I've used okay. the hatchet, but I never got to use fire on one. I never had it then anyway, yeah. uh, but after trying to use it during the level and seeing it fired down, all the bosses are taller than you, and yeah. most of them have a projectile or, or some sort of weapon that they use against you that... You have to worry about dodging. So trying to worry about trying to run and jump up high and hit him with fire, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to use fire on these bosses at all. Yeah, because I, I always showed up to them with the arrow, so I, I was curious about that. Yeah, I, I would just use the axe if I if I had any sort of option with it at mm-hmm. all, since it does have sort of an arc to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Mario. At least when you're pissing fire in Mario, it, it just bounces across the ground. And if you could do that in this game, that yes. would actually make that useful. Instead You'd be doing all right. Yeah, yeah it just, instead just like, and it's gone. Yeah, it's so around, it's over. It, it's just not, it, it doesn't seem like it's worth it beyond anything besides killing a rock. So those weapons show up, uh, most of the time they'll be at specific places and levels, so you know exactly where you're going to be to get those items. A lot of the time they're, they have a, a pickup somewhere around a spawn point uh, at the start of the level or at a checkpoint. But sometimes you'll be running through the level and you'll find eggs. Sometimes the eggs are obvious and visible right in the middle of the screen. Sometimes you'll you know be throwing your weapon forward and it's hitting this invisible something or other. You go where that was, you jump up, and oh, an egg appears. Uh, that's where you'll find most of the weapons. I think that's where you find all the fires, uh, pretty much, are all in eggs. But it's not mm. the only thing you find in eggs. Uh, you also find, most commonly, a skateboard. Uh, a skateboard makes it so that you do constantly move forward. You're going faster, you have a higher jump. Uh, thankfully, it will absorb a shot. You know, if you get hit or run into an enemy while you have your skateboard on, you'll fly off the skateboard and you'll be fine, uh, just with no more skateboard. So that's the only way you can have something in the game that lets you absorb a hit. If you mm-hmm. get all the way to the end of a level, you get a bunch of bonus points for having the skateboard. Uh, I find the skateboard generally to be more pain than it's worth. It's hard for me to <laughs> that you are going fast enough that I can't read the levels well enough to avoid things. So other than the fact that it absorbs a point of damage, I don't really look forward to the skateboards. I don't know if either of you guys had better luck with those than me. I, I always hated getting them because it seems like for something, you get a skateboard and you think, we're going to fucking book it now. Uh, we're already running. Now we're going to move. I found that I got the skateboard at the point where I was having to do the most damn, you know, starting and stopping. Um, I, I just felt like there were never any points where you got the skateboard and you just, and I just really took off with it. Um, no, I just, I, I have really no use for it. Was not a fan. I just uh, love a skateboard in a game when they do appear, but uh, this has got to be my least favorite. 
my favorite time of getting the skateboard is after I've failed the level like two or three times. And then I get the skateboard and I can just kind of, if I've got it memorized, then I can, can mow through a good majority of that level. Mm. But yeah, as soon as you get it, and if you don't know the level, if it's your first time, you're probably not going to make it very far. And the only the only thing that I really look forward to having it was like Jeremy said, it's an extra hit point. It's the mm-hmm. only thing in the game that gives you an extra hit point. Mm-hmm. So you can maybe book it <laughs> down the level ten or so feet until you hit a frog that jumps at you and then you're good to go. Uh, you know, it's it's gone. But besides that, yeah, it's uh it, it is a it's for the speedrunners that really know the level and, yeah. and know how to make those jumps. But if it's your first time getting it on one of those levels, it's it's not going to last very long. Uh, the other things you get out of those eggs is you get Honey Girl, which makes you invincible. You can change the music just like a star in Mario. You're invincible for a short period of time, and then she flies off, and you're now susceptible to damage again. Uh, you also can get one-ups, which are self-explanatory. Uh, a jug of milk, which refills your life all the way to the full, or your, I guess your timer. Uh, and then the other thing you get is the eggplant. Now, the eggplant is a negative item. I hate games that do this, especially when it's in a container that could hold anything so you don't Mm -hmm. you know especially if you need life or if you're hoping for a skateboard or whatever you grab this egg you jump into it oh no it's the eggplant the eggplant throws around with you just like honey girl does but it causes your health to go down faster much faster in fact so if you're not constantly running forward and grabbing fruit you're going to die before the eggplant runs off Uh, and i i basically determined if i got the eggplant half the time it was worth just jumping into a hole remembering that that egg has an eggplant in it and not opening it again Mm -hmm. i hate items like Mm -hmm. this i hate them yeah, just just like real life. When I get eggplant, I, I just I killed myself and then <laughs> learned learned the next time through not to get that. That's right. We mentioned the bosses before. Each of these levels, uh, worlds, I guess, has four levels. Uh, the, the levels themselves, they don't drastically change in between. If there's an ice area, they're all ice areas. Sometimes you're in a cave. Sometimes you're out on, on the, the surface of the island or whatever. But they all basically uh, are coherent. And then when you get to the fourth level, it's always a fortress that you're running through. Uh, they're normally the shortest levels in the game. They don't normally have checkpoints. And... It's the the only place where you'll see other traps. So it's not just snakes and bats and things that are fighting you, but there will be, you know, kind of thwomp-style enemies that fall down and then shoot fire to the sides. They have these weird-looking, like, wooden carts with spikes on them that run after you in parts. And and they have, you know, actual jumps that have uh, items with spikes all over them that kind of fly back and forth you have to dodge. It's the only levels that have that kind of stuff. And at the end of all of them, you fight a boss. Now, the bosses in this game, except for the very last boss, are all very similar in look. They all are you know, larger guys than you. They're about half the size of the screen. They all have a different animal head, so there's a tiger head and a rhino head and, and whatever else. Uh, they all kind of do the same thing. They come in from the right side of the screen. They slowly walk forward, doing whatever their attack is. So for the first couple 
um, bosses, their attacks aren't very involved. They throw a rock at you or whatever, and you dodge it, and you keep jumping up and hitting him in the head with whatever weapon you have. And after so many hits, the boss dies. You get a bunch of points. You go to the next level. Some of the later bosses actually had some attacks that took me a few tries to figure out. Uh, there's there's one specifically, I think it's the ice level, World 3, where he shoots um, a series of, of like spike balls that that shoot up to the screen and then come at you one at a time. You can hit them with your weapon, but at the same time, you're dodging the other pieces that are flying out of this wall he's built. And meanwhile, he's running for, you know, slowly walking forward and backward, and you have to watch out for him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, you have one hit point. So even if you're doing the best you can do, you make one mistake, you lose to the boss. These levels don't have checkpoints. You've got to go back to the very beginning of the stage. And another thing I noticed with a lot of these these fortress you know boss level levels is you don't get a weapon until way later in the level a lot of these just involve yeah. you running and yeah. dodging i will say I, I spent way more time actually like learning the levels and things like that than i did actually beating the bosses oh no I, yeah. I, it's i mean they're they're simple enough they they really don't have too much they do uh besides a few things that just kind of catch you off guard like you said uh but generally when i got to the bosses even if i died i was like all right well that's the one thing that they're going to do Right. Yeah. So this is the weapon that I'm going to use and we're good to go. But generally the challenge for me wasn't wasn't the bosses. It was just getting getting past those worlds and, and memorizing what I needed to do to get to them. And I got to say, I'm in the in the same boat. I uh, a couple of, and I think I think the one you're talking about in three is the one where there, there, you start to get a little bit of challenge to it. But I never felt like any of the bosses you know, really gave me a big huge run for my money I, I i did like jeremy was saying this feels like one of those where the whole challenge is leading up to the whole challenge is getting to them and and while some of them aren't simple i i, I think that the the challenge really the bosses didn't really bring it in comparison to the the, the journey to get to them. at least the last boss has a few more patterns that you gotta yes. learn after you get through all six islands, you fought those bosses at the end of all six, you get to go to World 7, which is the last world of the game. It's longer. It uh, I don't even remember if it has a checkpoint or not. I think it might have a checkpoint. Uh, but you get through that whole level. There's some actual very difficult jumping you have to do. Again, I think that level is actually harder than than the last boss again. And then you get to the last boss. You get, uh, you get to the last boss, you, get, you finally get to Baron Bronski, and he has... Two forms, which no other boss in the game does. Uh, his first form, he kind of has this magical attack uh, that shoots blue fire or something like blue spheres mm-hmm. around the room. Uh, but again, I found with this boss specifically, I would run into the room. I would just unload on him, try to dodge one attack, and yeah. then by the time that happened, that form dies. I, I didn't have a lot of problems with that first form at all. The second form then, he kind of becomes this weird long-armed monkey thing uh, grabs the top of the screen and kind of slides around while he he tries to attack you again I, I didn't have a lot of problems with this last boss i thought he looked mm-hmm. cool and you did have to learn his pattern so i died a handful of times on him but he was not difficult uh, i mean more difficult than the rest of the bosses but they still aren't hard i mean it's, it's kind of like the original mario brothers or super mario brothers uh, where you know you get to the end of the of the uh the the fortress levels and and really once you know what to do they aren't hard it's dodging a guy and jumping it to the end in this case instead you're just constantly you know making sure you just slam these bosses with whatever weapon you have in their head or wherever they're they're vulnerable as fast as you can and most of the time they'll get off one attack you dodge it and your song you're good to go they're dead yeah and see i think like the the super nes version is actually uh fairly as far as bosses it's the same like, it just kind of feels like they're very forgiving. One of the very few developers that made a game where you die in one hit 
that that actually realize <laughs> that maybe we need to make bosses that that you can memorize fairly easy if you're going mm-hmm. to die in one hit. Uh, and uh, yeah. so yes, they I, I definitely got the same thing. Uh, but I do think the Super NES bosses are are better and more varied than what you do get here in in this one on Turbo Graphics because these are like you said until the very last boss pretty much the exact same thing. They just kind of have a, a, a slightly varied attack over, over the course of the game. Yeah, this is not a hard game. I mean, my total playthrough time, and I'd never played this before, uh, no save states, just just sitting there playing it. I mean, I, I did save for the purpose of coming back to it later, but not not like, did a jump, save, do a jump, save. I mean, it was just to save myself time from sitting there on a block. But it was still uh, under four hours total, and that yeah. was with... With figuring this out as someone who had never played this before, it's it's not a long game. The fact that you have unlimited continues, uh, not you know, makes it makes it much easier. And and again, the bosses, it is really more about the levels than the bosses, even up to the very end. Um, the music, we didn't talk about the music. I thought the music on this was generally really good. There's a few levels that have, I mean, some excellent music for this sort of game. I, I love how the Turbo Graphics music sounds. Anyway, I uh, may be the only one, but I think the music in this, even even with that said, is still really really good. I think so too. I think it looks really good too. Like yeah, it's, it's, a, very it's a really good looking game. Uh, unfortunately, you know, coming coming from the uh, the one that I played, the Super NES version, that was one of the very first games that I ever played where I was absolutely floored by the sound quality that the Super NES could do. Mm. I mean, it, it totally had one of the early '90s hip hop soundtracks to it, uh, but I, I absolutely adore it to this day. Uh, and it's it still sounds really good. And I wasn't expecting much from the Turbo Graphics, considering what we've played before. Uh, but yeah, this one it sounded really good, and it's a, it's a really good looking game. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have any trouble with the the, the presentation of this, and I also agree it kind of it, it pushed what I thought the Turbo Graphics was was capable of. Uh, it's probably one of the better sounding uh, games for the system we've done on the show. Uh, really, the overall presentation of it. It's just fine. I mean, it, it's it's not quite Super Adventure Island, but it's it's damn near close. I mean, it's a nice looking game. I would like to say, like my final comparison for those two games is, I felt like the Super NES version was more of an actual platforming game mm-hmm. than the Turbo Graphics game. Like I, I, there was never a moment in Super Adventure Island where I felt like I needed to just run constantly. Mm. That's in there. And you do still need to to collect the fruit and everything, but it's far more forgiving than what the Turbo Graphics game was. Like it's just it's a different feeling game, mm-hmm. and I, I don't prefer really either one. Like I really did have fun playing through uh, New Adventure Island on Turbo Graphics because of just how different it felt compared to Super Adventure Island. But I would say if you wanted the more I don't know platformy kind of Mar- Super Mario World kind of feeling game. Uh-huh. Super Adventure Island is, is the way to go to where if you wanted the more hectic kind of you need to keep going, kind of keep moving, then then one on Turbo Graphics is, is still really good. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say between the two, I, I would kind of lean more towards this one because if I wanted to play I I, I like Super Adventure Island, but if I wanted to play a platformer, I, that's not gonna I, I don't think it's gonna show up on my radar most often. Uh, if I want to play like a classic platformer i mean i'm gonna play a mario or a sonic or i'm gonna pop donkey kong country in super adventure island i it, it just isn't something that, that pops in my head usually so i mean as a platformer it, it doesn't have a strong identity with me whereas this one is something that's 
that's a little bit different. This isn't really an experience you can get from a, a Mario or a really anything else. I mean, in Sonic, yeah, you want to run ahead, but you don't have to. Uh, there's nothing pushing you forward to. Uh, Sonic's not going to die if you don't continue running. Um, yeah, I, this one, I can't think of many others that, that do something like this um, without being one of those fucking endless runners. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would have to give the slight edge to this one. Uh, not that we are, I mean, we're not comparing the two games, but just if I was going to play an Adventure Island, I think it would probably be this one just because of just it's it's a bit more unique. Well, it's great that it's going to be on the mini because this came out kind of at the end of a system that a lot of people didn't play anyway. So even people uh-huh. who did have a TurboGrafx may never have played this game. Uh, and, and it's a shame because it is really, I mean, it's it's definitely one of the best games on the system. And it's one of the better Adventure Island titles in general. Uh, I, I loved this and I was not a big fan of the Nintendo games. Again, they weren't bad, but I they didn't stand out. We're playing through this the whole time. I, I mean, I loved it, and I was glad we picked this one up, and I'm glad more people get a chance to try it when it shows up next year on the TurboGrafx Mini. Is this is this the first? Is Billy actually recommending a TurboGrafx game? Is this happening? I tell you, uh, it almost took 100 shows, but we made it. It happened. What's it been? Is it four years? <laughs> four years <laughs> now? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to say that if, if you're going to play a TurboGrafx game, as of right now, this would be the one to play. If if you are simply choosing from the the lineup that we have presented to you over the years on this show, uh, uh, we've played. Oh boy, we've been in the shit. We've been deep in it too. It's going to say it's just one of those cases where we've been forced to play so many Turbo Graphics games we've, that we're just like, yeah, this is great. It's well, like, I had to think about that too. Like I thought about it before we start recording. It's like it, yeah, I'm not. And I'm not holding this just within the realm of Turbo Graphics. This ain't a bad game. This is this is a decent game. And like Jeremy P said, a lot of people probably didn't play this. And I can see this one being one of the stars of the that Turbo Graphics Mini when it comes around. So yeah, that's our thoughts on New Adventure Island and really the Adventure Island series in general. Because if you if you did like this, you'll probably like the others. And if you didn't like this, then don't try the others. Uh, I recommend it. Glad it's going to be on the mini and never, other people get a chance to uh, to try it out. Our next episode is going to be the first of our patron-requested episodes. Uh, if you are a member of our Patreon and you are at the $10 a month limit, you get to pick a game we have to cover. And we're going to cover our first one of those for episode 99. We will tell you what it is in the next mini-episode. Uh, and we will also post about it on our social media accounts before the episode. But we also have, uh, on our regular Retrovania.net, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. We have a question form where people can send us questions and we will answer them. And I believe we may have some of those right now. Mm. Yes, we do. And uh, Billy, I, I want to role play with you for just a second. And this is going to be different cut than the, the uh, uh, cut the mics. Yeah, no, this is going to be different than the role play we do out back of the abandoned checkers uh, that's down the street. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this time I'm going to actually be the retrovania.net contact form. Mm-hmm. And you are going to be a Retrovaniacs listener. And you've been listening to the podcast for a minute. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're kind of interested and you want to ask a question. You want to, you know, maybe ask a question to us or about a game that you've been playing or recommend a game. Mm. So you go to Retrovania.net and you scroll all the way to the bottom and there is a contact form. That's okay. me. Yeah. So what do you put inside of me? Oh, boy. What do I put inside of you? <laughs> Well, this I'm going to warn you. I'm going to. I'm probably going to give you more than you can handle. 
Ah, oh, I what what you know? What I'm going to give about? you something you ain't ever had before. I'm probably going to start off real slow <laughs> with a nice long introduction. Is that that a hotmail e- email address that you're going to put in? That with, hotmail email address, like thirteen fucking numbers that looks like a Wi-Fi password. I'm going to give you a long introduction, let you know just who I am, <laughs> and let you know what I'm working with. And then, oh, the body of what I'm going to put into you. I I am going to put in word after word, hot, steamy word (laughs) about how I want to see that Tiger LCD retrospective. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to pound that send button. If you're like Billy, then yes, completely pound that send button. Dozens of times, over and over well, again. Am I the only one of the three that has their shirt off right now? I, you know, I, I, it's getting there. The socks have come off. <laughs> but uh, yes, if, you, if you're like Billy and, and you want to ask us, ask us a question, go to Retrovania.net, scroll all the way down to the bottom. There is a contact form. Ask us anything. Send it in cool. and we will probably answer it. And uh, this week, we, we're just going to get way into this. I, I need to get your, you guys out of the gutter. Uh, because we're going to start out with um, uh, William, and I'm going to murder your last name, William, because uh, uh, it, he is from Sweden, and uh, I'm going to go with Vint- Ventiscar. Ventiscar? Mm-hmm. And that's the best I can do, William, so <laughs> I apologize. Uh, but really, he writes in to ask uh, or, or tell us, first of all, I would like to thank you all for helping me find my way back to retro gaming. I'm an almost 40-year-old dude who just lost the joy of playing games on newer systems. It just seemed that I couldn't start a console without there being a 10-minute update, getting DLC offers, or just having to spend way too many hours to complete a game. But then I stumbled upon your Guardian Legend episode and thought, wow, I haven't played that game in ages. I revisited it and have been back to retro gaming ever since and absolutely loving it. So again, thank you for helping a lost soul back on the right path. Now for my question, is there any part of a game that you've always thought was super easy, which everyone else thought was impossible? As an example, mine was the landing sequence of Top Gun for the NES, which I never really had a problem with for some reason. Love your podcast and keep up the good work. Best regards, William. First of all, my hat's off to him for that one. Yeah, that's that's insane. uh, (laughs) That fucker plagued me. I, I could probably do on one hand the number of times I actually got that one. Um, but yeah, I, that's tough to think about. Um, I guess one of the ones that I was always baffled that people complained about game-wise and stage in particular was that first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the NES. You know, the, the talk always goes to the uh, the bomb-diffusing portion, you're underwater, uh, it's, it's a pretty tight squeeze cause there's, you know, the electric seaweed all around you and all that. And you're given a very little amount of time to fuse these bombs. And it's just, it's, it's held in high regard as far as difficulty goes, but it, it, it's something that I think like from the start, I was just kind of able to, to get through. Um, I remember it being one of the things where, uh, I finally just had to show my friends at school that I in fact could cause, cause nobody believed it. Um, that whole game in general, I found to be a little bit easier than people say. Um, and I don't know how I can get past that part, how I was always able to get past that part easily. Um, that is not a testament to my skill at all. It's just something lined up right. I don't think there's one. I'm trying to think if there's something where I, I've been 
like, oh yeah, I blew through this. I mean, I'm sure there's been bosses on some of the Souls games or, you know, mm. that I was able to pick up that some people may have had problems with, but I think that's more based on build uh, and character style than anything else. Uh, thinking back, the I think it was more that I was able to figure out games a little faster than Ooh. a lot of people, uh, especially if it's a multiplayer game, like... I'm I'm the guy at first that when you first get a multiplayer game that's a puzzle game especially or something where everyone's mm-hmm. got to figure it out. I'm really good at first. Like the first 10 rounds I'm going to clean up, but then I never get any better and everyone <laughs> else figures it out and they destroy me later on. That's why I love RTS games when they first come out and then about a weekend I'm like, "Well, I'm done with this because I'm never <laughs> I'm never going to play that's this right. again." Um the, the Castlevania 2 on the Nintendo was one. A lot of people don't like it. I love it. And there's a point in the game where for whatever reason you're supposed to like kneel in front of a cliffside with a special item. And I figured that out and beat the game in a weekend, and everyone's what? like, there's no way you did. There's no way you figured it out. I don't know how. I mean, I don't think I figured it out logically. I think I just, you know, got, when I get frustrated in a lot of those games, I just jump around and slam the buttons around. I think it just worked. Uh, either way, I did get through it, and that, that's the one I remember everyone saying, no, that, there's no way that happened. Then I actually had to take them back to my house and show mm-hmm. them that I figured out the game. And then they accused me of calling the Nintendo tip line. Uh, so other than that, though, no, I think it's just that I pick up on games quick and then, uh, and then again, never get better. Uh, I I I think uh, my only one ever is that I am an RC Pro Am champion for the original <laughs> NES game, uh, and also uh, golf on the NES, uh, the original yes. golf game. I, <laughs> I I've been able to boggle people's minds as, as far as like being able to like be act, like actually good at that game when no one else has ever been able to be good at that game. I I, I for some reason I, I bought that game as a kid. Because I was just that sad kid that I was like, yeah, I guess golf on the NES is going to be fun. And uh, that was what I spent my money on. And I think I played it enough that I just eventually got really good at it. Well, that's still a strong golf title. It is. I, you know, I, I to this day, I still am not as good as I was as a kid, even in RC Pro-Am. So I think there was just something wired into my brain that I just, I didn't have any friends and this, I, I played golf and RC Pro-Am and Ghostbusters for the NES and got strangely good at those games. Uh, I, I shouldn't be proud of any of those. Maybe RC Pro-Am. Yeah, RC, RC Pro-Am is great. That, that's yeah. a game I would love to cover, but it's not. there's not enough meat there for an episode. Yeah, the, the other two games, when they're just like, man, what's your, what's your jam on NES? I'm just like, golf. And no. <laughs> just, no one yeah, wants... Yeah. Uh, they're just like, we'll, we'll take your word for that. We don't... We don't um, anyway, that's uh, that's going to do it for that one. Thank you so much, uh, William, for writing in. Again, mm-hmm. I, I apologize if I just completely murdered your last name. Uh, next one's going to come in from uh, Ten Ton Tank. And uh, he writes in to say, hey, guys, proud Patreon supporter writing well, in since you. on the latest. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, proud Patreon supporter writing in since on the la- latest Amagon bonus episode, you all started crying over the worst games you'd ever played for the podcast so far. I started listening around episode 80 and would love to know an official list of podcast games that tortured you. So here it is. Give me your personal top three worst games you've ever covered for the podcast. Also, would you guys be up to covering more terrible games in the bonus episodes? Thank you for the weekly entertainment. I'll definitely cover more bad games in the bonus episodes, but not only. I mean, we're not here to just torture ourselves. Uh, but also, you know, I, I like to talk about games we like. <laughs> Maybe it'll help someone find a game they've never tried uh, mm-hmm. to give it a shot, not to tell people to avoid games. Uh, there's plenty of ways to do that just by, by trying them. Uh, the worst games in, for me, I picked three that uh, I think one is universally bad, and the other two I might get some pushback on. Uh, but they're, for me, the ones I had the least fun playing. 
first off, Super Black Bass for the Super Nintendo was right, my least favorite episode we've done. I, I never, I couldn't understand the game. <laughs> I never actually fished. Like I, I, I wasted hours prepping for that podcast, <laughs> just riding around in a boat. I hated it. I hated every second of it. So that, that's on me. I don't think that's a bad game as much as that's, that's not a good game for me. Uh, the one that's universally bad is Predator. We played Predator, and that's that was awful. I mean, I remember yeah, it being yeah. awful when it was out originally, and and you know, friends that had to be like, "Oh man, Predator! That looks like it's a lot of fun." They're like, "No, it's really not. Don't don't nope. try it." And we found out that you're right; it's not very fun. And the other game I have listed, and and this is another one that I'm sure that there there's going to be some pushback, but I hated the Eternal Champions episode. I hated I'm it. Too. I'm not good at fighting games anyway, but that was one where I felt like it's it is not aged well. It's too clunky. It doesn't play smoothly now i i did not enjoy it so th- those are the three for me eternal champions uh predator and super black bass uh, but again that one is entirely on me i'm telling you that's oh it's gonna be hard to come to terms with that uh yeah i mean it's it's one of mine i don't think i'm gonna get any pushback on any of them i may get pushback from one man on one of them um and uh, near the top of my list gotta be that general chaos I know. I I shit on it a lot, and the shit piles is going to get higher because I'm doing it again. I just, that game, not meant for a home console, and it it just makes it the slowest, dragonest ass game. Uh, Maybe it was, uh, you throw it on the PC, maybe. I don't know. I still think it's it's, it's pretty bland in general. Um, JJ and Jeff, pure fucking torture to play through that um jj and jeff when you look at it is actually a bad version of the game we played today it's mm, the same kind of game i i uh, can see that but yes everything is bad yes uh kendo rage i recall just uh, being a miserable experience altogether that was one of those where i was glad sometimes we finish recording something and if it's a game like general chaos when when you know, when I X out of everything, when I close things out, when I unplug everything, I take a minute and I just, oh, you know, just let it all out. And Kendo Rage, I was glad to be done with altogether. Honorable mention to Casino Kid, which bored me to fucking tears. <laughs> I love Casino Kid, but I can see that a lot of people I, may not may not have liked Casino Kid. I just, uh, there wasn't much to do. There was not much to do. Um, and, I mean, if it was more like Vegas Stakes... Maybe then, um, but yeah, I, that's those are my three, and an honorable mention. I could give out several honorable mentions, several honorable mentions, but I, I'm going to leave it at that. I guess for me, uh, my top three, uh, number three would have to be Magician Lord, mm. which was actually my pick, I believe, and I, I it was pure pain. That was one of those games where I had always played the first, maybe first level. And I was really interested to play the rest of it mm-hmm. because I that first level is kind of fun, but the rest of it was absolutely awful. And uh, I apologize to everyone for that one. Um, number two, I'd have to give up to uh, in the Amagon episode. I said the worst was Chikan that I ever played. <laughs> I'm going to go with that for number two. And I absolutely cannot stand that game. I hate it. I think that it's, it looks cool. It's got a cool story. I think the instruction booklet is the best instruction booklet story I've ever fucking read, mm. but everything else about it is just mm. the worst thing 
But for number one, and I actually forgot we covered this game, uh, was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, our Halloween episode. Yeah. Who fucking knows how long. That was barely a video game. Yeah, it was, yeah. that one was pretty bad. I, it was, <laughs> I forgot. I have never played anything like that. It, it, that was just so completely just not, it, it wasn't a video game. It was just like something someone threw. It, it's like a bad Mario Maker level that no one knew how to fucking do anything with. Um, but yes, those, those would be my top three. Uh, hmm. So yes, thank you uh, so much, uh, Ten Ton Tank. Uh, again, uh, Patreon, if you want to subscribe, uh, you can get those bonus episodes and you can listen to us uh, totally just, you know, break down about Amagon for our latest episode. It was it was terrible. Uh, and our next uh, question is actually going to come in from Mason. And uh, he's going to write in about a Jaguar Mini. Anyway, Jeremy P. mentioned on the last podcast how no one needs a Jaguar Mini preloaded with games. For the most part, you're right. I had one of these as a kid because system because the system and seven games sold for $80 at a time when the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 1 cost far more with absolutely nothing. Most games I played were forgettable, and no one without nostalgia for them would get anything out of them. But there were a few gems on the system, like the nearly arcade-perfect ports of Raiden and NBA Jam Tournament Edition. Aliens vs. Predator is a survival horror first-person shooter at a time where that wasn't yet a thing. And my favorite ones are the remakes of classic arcade games, like Missile Command 3D and Defender 2000. Both have the original arcade version, a similar enhanced version, and an all-new version. Missile Command had a VR mission where you were a first-person view in both turrets, and you had several different weapons and power-ups to use. Defender 2000 added some friendly drones and new new enemy types and had a killer soundtrack. So yeah, by skipping the Jaguar, you didn't actually miss much. But those are just a few hidden gems you can't get anywhere else that I think warrant at least a playthrough. Certainly not on a mini-console, but at least some time spent with an emulator, and if I can get a Jaguar emulator to run reliably on my Super NES Classic, you bet your ass I'd have a library of terrible to mediocre games I'd wade through on the way to the five or six that are actually worth playing. The games he just mentioned, uh, I'm sure that the classic Atari games redone were probably fine. And and yes, Aliens vs. Predator and Tempest, there were, there were always a handful of games that any Jaguar owner was like, but these games were amazing, and I, I'm sure they were fine. I'm sure they were good. But for all those games, there's also Trevor McFur. And uh, and the Bubsy game that came out for it, where he goes through Fantasyland, and uh, and some racing game where they fall through the street. I recall, like, there's a lot of bad on that system. There was only a total of, I think, 50 games for the system to begin with. You could probably put every game that came out for that uh, on a on a mini Jaguar, and and probably sell it for 80 bucks. And I might consider it, but it doesn't need to happen. I was going to shit on the guy a lot more than I than I thought, and then I remembered I've probably been quoted several times on here as saying that I wish there was a Sega CD Mini. So I, I feel like I'm going to back off on him this time. I, I think there's some some neat games on there, and it's, oh yeah, but uh, I, I I'm going to get behind you. I think I'd actually want a Sega CD Mini than than more than I would a, a Jaguar because really yeah. I think. Aliens versus Predator is the really the only one that I really yes. want to play. Yes, uh, that and I loved fucking and, and damn Tempest. Uh, I loved Tempest on there. Hey, it's a shame because I, I really don't know where else you would get to experience those games. Could you imagine a Jaguar Mini being announced? I can imagine it being announced. Uh, I, I can't imagine it seeing itself all the way through to the productions that where it's actually out. Um. <laughs> 
Oh, I, I, mm. I, I just like that was kind of up there with, uh, you know, having a 3D, a mini 3DO announced and also Turbo Graphics. But a Turbo Graphics did actually get announced. So I, who knows? I, I would absolutely, Bubsy has new games. So there, there's always a chance that, that a new Jaguar can be announced if that can actually happen. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you, Kay. I, or Mason, I, uh, that, that is one of those things that I, I, I've always wanted to play. But the asking prices, whenever you go around to places that are actually selling Jaguar games mm-hmm. and the system, that is really, that is ridiculous yeah. at this point. I'm not paying more than $300 to, to have the, uh, the pleasure of, of playing Defender 2000. I'm jealous that you got to play it and loved it. But these days, I ain't paying those prices. All right, our final question comes in from Ashkey, and uh, he seems uh, he wants to know. Uh, well, you see it. He says you all seem to have owned a lot of consoles over the years, and I was curious as to which console launch had your favorite games when it was released. Hmm. My personal favorite was the GameCube launch with Luigi's Mansion, Rogue Squadron, and Monkey Ball sitting right there with it. All three games became three of my all-time favorites. Thanks for taking the time to read this question and keep up the great show. I, uh, oh, man, it's hard to think about launch. I, I was trying to do it without actually looking it up because I figure if I have to look it up, then, then it must not have had that big an impact on me. Uh, the, the one launch I remember being the most excited about, um, and, and really the one where I was, you know, this is one of the first times that I was actually purchasing everything with my own money. So I was kind of more invested on what was launching. Uh, was that Dreamcast launch? Uh, I, I don't know the full list. I think it was less than 20 games, but I just know that, you know, when, when that thing came out up on the shelf, there was House of the Dead 2, the Hydro Thunder. There was that, uh, I think it was Mortal Kombat. The, was it Gold? Where they put together like the first trilogy. several? The Trilogy. All right. I, I thought it was Gold or, or Trilogy 1. There was that Mortal Kombat. Uh, like a Power Stone was out for it. Uh, and Soul Calibur. Were, were some of the ones I recall. I, I, I think Crazy Taxi was shortly after. Well, and Sonic Adventure. Um, Sonic Adventure was a launch Sonic title. Adventure, and, yes. And, and, and I, I was up. I, I got that I in remember, I just remember going to the store, and when I got my Dreamcast, just that lineup was it was just tremendous, and and I, I was super excited. Of course, we know how that how all that turned out, but I, that was just the launch. I don't, I don't know. I can't necessarily say that's the best launch anyone's ever had but that was certainly the one that that piqued my interest the most and, and had a a line of the games that just was blew me away when i first saw it. the one that i remember the most being the the biggest deal to me at the time even though it's probably one that's age of the worst is the original playstation launch uh, it only mm. had eight games i think seven or eight games and mm. and a lot of them you know total eclipse it was garbage i mean they had a couple other games but that had toshinden which was a, is now a game it's terrible but as the first like fully 3D fighting game I had played, it blew my mind. Yeah. I mean, you had uh, what Ridge Racer I think was out there on, on first day. I mean, there was a handful of games that really were like just game changers for the kind of game I was expecting from a home console. Now, mm-hmm. you know, six months later there were way better games. Tekken had come out a few months after that. I mean, games that just blew away these launch titles. But for yeah. games where I was like, whoa, maybe I do need this system. Like I didn't think I wanted a PlayStation because you know, oh, it's not Nintendo or it's not it's not Sega. Who's who who cares what Sony's putting out? And then I played the games of the day it came out and I was like, this thing is incredible and I must own it. And I must I must have a copy of it immediately. Uh, so that's probably one that that was the most impressive to me at the time, but you know, 
now almost every one of those, except for Jumping Flash, uh, is garbage. Uh, the the PlayStation the original PlayStation launch was the first one that I was actually really invested in because I could actually earn money to buy those games. Yeah. Uh, before the console actually came out, I I wasn't getting the console until Christmas. I I knew I was actually getting that as a Christmas present. So I got my first job at a at this burger joint uh, here in, in town, and pretty much all the money that I made at, at that place went to buying the launch lineup uh, of the PlayStation. And, and that was, there were, I mean, there were some good games there. Uh, the original doom that that was a launch. Uh, that was a great version of doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rayman. Uh, I wipe out all of that stuff was, was really good. But then again, I, I also got a lot of games that you know were questionable or, did, or you, just, get, did you get street fighter the movie? I did oh, not. Yeah, that was a nice title. I forgot. Bought about that, that on Saturn instead, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it on PlayStation. Uh, there was actually not a Street Fighter out at, at launch. I did. I don't know if, if Street Fighter the movie was out at launch on PlayStation, but uh, I had most of them. I even bought the the football game NFL Game Day, oh, yeah. and I don't even like football on, on uh, video game football. So that was just something that I bought because I, you know, for the longest time as a kid, I was like, I can't. You know, I can't actually play these games unless I just go rent them or something. So for the first time, I was like, I've got money. I'm going to buy these games. I'm just going to have them. And for the most part, they were really great games. Uh, I even enjoyed Toshinen. God damn it. Oh, I loved so, it when it was new. I thought it was amazing looking. Yeah, and I was like, this game blows me away. But it, it aged almost like a week later. You're like, this game is hideous. Yeah, just mm. as soon as you actually play Tekken, uh, you're just like, oh, my God, Toshinen was terrible. Even though Tekken looked terrible. But... Um, there was just there were so many games that, that I remember so fondly from that launch, and I, that was by far my favorite video or console launch uh, oh. that I can remember. And that's going to do it for the questions, guys. If you have any questions, send it to us via RetroVane.net, where there's an amazing question form. Also, links to all of our other social media sites and our YouTube channel. Uh, also, if you are interested in supporting us via Patreon, please check that out. That address is in the notes for this episode, and also all over all those same social media accounts. And we will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode on our first patron requested game. And we will see you then.